This is the Iowa State Athletics SciCast. Hi, everybody. I'm John Walters. Today's SciCast is with former All-Big 8 linebacker Tom Bosky. A two-time captain, Bosky's name is synonymous with the Earl Bruce era. Tom Crochelle asked Bosky about growing up in Chicago and some of Bosky's top memories from Iowa State. We hope you'll enjoy our visit with Tom Bosky. First, just tell us, how did you end up at Iowa State? You know, I didn't get a chance earlier, but I wanted to uh, thank Coach Tom Backus. Coach Backus had enough guts to come on the south side of Chicago in the jungle and come and get me. Okay, you were at 120th and Lafayette. Lafayette. And what was the neighborhood like? Back when I started as a freshman, that was the big story that, uh, you know, it was so tough to live there. You had to wear thumbtacks to keep your socks up, you know. And, you know, I would ask the cop, how long would it take to walk to 119th Street? He said, I don't know, nobody's ever made it yet, you know. But, you know, it, it, was, it was tough. I, I went to Fanger High School. I learned to, uh, you know, protect myself and run fast and jump high, you know. So, so was there a little bit of culture shock for you when you came to Ames, Iowa then? Yeah, it was. Um, matter of fact, uh, I had a little story about John Wozniak, and John was a, a superstar at Fenger High School on the south side. And John got a scholarship to play here, and he was one of the other guys that was instrumental to getting me here. And so he's, he's driving me to, uh, you know, to come to Ames, and, and we're just seeing all these farms. And I, I said, you know, is there going to be some buildings? Is there going to be a university here somewhere, you know? Growing up on the south side, you know, you got the Sears Tower, John Hancock, all the buildings. And uh, matter of fact, the neighborhood I was from was uh, where Dick Brook Butkus grew up. And uh, Dick Butkus explains the same thing on the south side with Sherman Williams and, you know, how tough it was. So the Butkuses grew up in the south side. It was called Roseland, Roseland Community. And my same uncle, Uncle Ed Watka, actually played Little League Baseball with Dick Butkus, you know. And, and I knew Dick's older brothers. They uh, helped coach us in Little League. And you talked about, Dick Buckus was tiny compared to his two older brothers. They uh, played for the Chicago Cardinals when the Cardinals uh, used to be in Chicago. But, uh, you know, growing up and watching Dick Buckus, and I, I had a teacher that would always get his bear tickets, and we'd be on the sideline, and I would always see Dick Buckus, you know, running down. I said, hey, Ed Watkins is high. He would always look, and he would give me thumbs up, you know. And just watching that guy, you know, just the emotion that he played with, you know. I mean, I don't know, that's, I, I just tried to model myself after Dick Butkus, you know. That's who I grew up with, you know. We, bears stunk, but, you know, Butkus and Sayers were great, you know. You get here, and of course you develop a relationship with Coach Bruce. Would you explain to someone what kind of coach he was, what kind of person he was, what it was like to play for him? I, uh, I, I played for several coaches, but what made him different, and you can tell from all the players when they talk, was his compassion. His compassion not only for you, for, for what you were to become in the future. You look at his record on how many of us graduated under Earl Bruce, it's because of him. It wasn't just about athletics, you know. When he came into your house to recruit you and told you, you know, my mom and dad, hey, I'm gonna make sure he gets a, a degree. He meant it. Uh, the 75 season, a mm -hmm. lot of losses, a lot of close losses, pretty big pounding at Nebraska. Yeah. How'd you deal with that? It, it was difficult. As a 75 recruiting year, that was probably the best recruiting year we ever had. 
because that 75, we all stuck together. I think we only lost a couple guys throughout the four-year reign. And uh, we were a tight-knit group, all the freshmen in that group. And uh, we just vowed that uh, we're not going to lose anymore, you know. And the thing that just burns me is we never could beat Oklahoma in those four years. Came close and finally beat Colorado one year, but those were the two nemesis. You know, we get over those two games, we're 10-1. and one. Our sophomore year, we beat Okie State. We win the Big Eight. You know, that's how close it was. And don't even get a bowl bid. 1976, you know, you mentioned uh, the Oklahoma game where we outgained them. Mm-hmm. Uh, held them to 204, I think, at 246 yards, which was unheard of against Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we lost the game. But the next week uh, made that that loss made the next week even more important. And you go to Missouri, and uh, Missouri's ranked seventh. They've beaten USC. They've beaten North Carolina. It's probably the most impressive road win the schools ever had. Mm-hmm. What do you remember about it? Well, just to step back a little bit about sure. the Oklahoma game. Yes. I still have nightmares of that game. I don't know if you remember on Sundays, they had the college football highlights. I think it was either Bill Fleming. But anyways, they had the right. highlights every Sunday morning. And it was 10 to 10 with three minutes left in the game. It was third down, like 15 yards. So Coach Rodriguez signals to me that we're going to run a pass defense because, you know, we think they're going to pass. And uh, Barry Switzer runs a draw play to Horace Ivory. You know, this is like 40 years ago, and I keep playing this over and over in my head. And the name of the defensive play was a 51 Sam Dog, where we had our strong linebacker blitzing off the uh, tight end, and we were going to cause some havoc because we thought they were going to pass. Well, they throw a draw play to Horace Ivory. And I came and hit Horace Ivory, and he spins. And I'm still holding him all the way down to his shoe, and I take, rip his shoe off, and he runs 63 yards for a touchdown. The next day on the college football NCAA highlights, a Keith Jackson, I think it was, they, they open up that sports highlight every Sunday for the rest of the year with me missing that tackle in slow motion. And I had a, my godfather, who was also my uncle, my mom's younger brother, Ed Watka. He was the general manager for KIOA, KMGK in, mm-hmm. in Des Moines. And my Uncle Ed would call me every weekend saying, when are you going to make that tackle? You know, he was just, you know, you're right. That, that, that just ripped our hearts out. 10 to 10, we had them. I mean, they had like seven first downs the whole game. You know, we had them. And, and we had Buddy Hardeman and Wayne Stanley. Matter of fact, they took the ball and went all the way down to the two-yard line, and we ran out of time. You know, that's how, that's how good we were with our offense at the time. But that Missouri game is – is was a great game because you know we could have just pitched it in we just lost an emotion game to oklahoma but uh, coach bruce with that throwback play was just tremendous i mean i, I can't explain to you it was it just it just put us on the map do you remember the celebration after the game uh the missouri uh, uh tiger was like a uh, black bell kung fu artist and what's a f- funny story about this he kicks the crap out of Cy, our, our mascot. And un- unbelievable, my, the mascot who played this guy back in 76 was Bill Lewis, who ends up being my sales manager at Procter & Gamble later on. Anyways, Bill comes over to the sideline and said, hey, that mascot just kicked my butt and stopped me in the ground. And so Mongo, Mike Stensrud, and Tom Randall, me, a couple of other guys, when the Tiger came 
on our side of the bench, you know, we grabbed his tail and, you know, we had to give him a little number, you know, to let him know that, hey, don't mess with Cy, you know. Yeah, that's what I remember from Missouri. It's kind of a pretty magical fall in 76 because Iowa State hasn't had a team this good in years. Mm -hmm. So like the community and the students, everybody was really uh, ratcheted up for this. For the Nebraska week, I mean, they were painting the streets and I mean, the, 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 the enthusiasm was unbelievable. You know? I still get goosebumps talking about it. You know, we only had like 46,000, but the place was packed and it was like 100,000, you know. The whole game was just electric. Playing against Vince Ferragamo, a great quarterback, and later on a good pro quarterback, and, and taking down that team was just uh, another thing that put us on the map was beating at Nebraska. That game, you guys held Nebraska to 78 yards rushing. Can you just talk about the, the effort that day and you guys forced six turnovers, I think. Pete Rodriguez doesn't get enough credit, okay? When Pete Rodriguez came into the Big Eight, everybody ran the 5-2 Oklahoma defense with the nose guard, the nose tackle, and the, and the two tackles. But when Pete came here, he ran a pro defense with the middle linebacker. And what he did was run an over and under defense. You know, if we were going to run the over to the rover, we would shift the whole line before the ball was snapped and we were in a pro defense with a middle linebacker. And I don't think teams are ready for that, you know. It was his genius that, that turned our defense around because even though the offense was number two in the, in the nation, we were like one or two in the big eight in defense. There's three other reasons why he came to Iowa State. It was Mike Stensrud, Tom Randall, and Ron McFarland. You know, the quarterbacks protect by the offensive line, linebackers are protected by them guys up front. And when I, when I recruited at other schools, I looked and see who my defense alignment were. And when I saw those three guys, I said, Iowa State's for me. You know, now we remember the 76 team is maybe the best the school ever had, yeah. even though they didn't go to a bowl game. And we've kind of forgotten because we so appreciate what you guys accomplished, mm -hmm. the disappointment of the, the end of the year in the locker room at, yeah. at, you know, at Oklahoma State. Did that fuel you for the following year? I'll, I'll never forget uh, Coach Rodriguez and um, Earl Bruce. I can, I can remember the game vividly. They had a guy named Terry Miller, who's running back for Oklahoma State, you know, All-American. And uh, the game was still pretty close. It was like 35-28 uh, in there. And they ran the Boomerowski on us with a couple minutes left. Instead of punting the ball and playing defense, they ran that Boomerowski for, for another touchdown, kind of rub it in. And Coach Bruce and Pete Rodriguez both turned, i never forget, and looked at me in the eyes and said, don't you ever forget what they just did right there. And it was like cemented in our brains. And the next year, Oklahoma State came to Iowa State, and, and you know, we definitely did them in then. But, yeah, that, that – you know, plus you're waiting for the Oklahoma-Nebraska game because we had to wait for the winner on that because if Nebraska wins, we go to the Blue Bonnet Bowl, you know. But Nebraska lost, so we were left home. So, 77, one of the first things is the Iowa game. Okay, oh, yeah. These teams haven't met since 1934. Oh, boy. The build-up yeah. to this game was like no well, – there'll never be another game yeah. like that no. ever. Yeah. Um, and there hasn't been. Yeah. You know, being from Chicago, I really didn't have the same emotions as the guys that 
lived in Iowa, but they got it across to me that we had to win this game, you know, because, I mean, it's like walking down the street, having the bragging rights, you know. So every, everybody in Iowa that were, was recruited in Iowa let every, all the outside guys know how important this game was. And uh, I, I still get sick to my stomach because, I'm sorry, we were a better team than they were. We really were. We, we just didn't, did not execute. And I, I have another uh, crazy story about that game. A good friend of mine, Carl Pancook, used to run the Memorial Union. And Carl started a Tom Bosky fan club. For $1, you get all this uh, paraphernalia, pictures I'd sign and stuff. So Eric Parsegian during the Iowa game saying, uh, for $1, you can get in Tom Bosky's fan club, send Tom, you know, a dollar. But anyways, I started getting all this money sent to me, you know. And then I got, I got people from the NCAA calling me saying, uh, what's going on here? You know, you got a, some kind of slush fund, you know. And thank God Eric Parsegian, uh, he called the NCAA and talked to him and he apologized to me, sent me a letter, you know. That was, that was kind of the light side of that game. It's funny because Era, my cousin Nick Federenko, played for Era back in the 73 championship team. And so uh, we had some relationship there at the time. And, and uh, I, I got a chance of playing the Hula Bowl in Japan Bowl with Joe Montana. And we're riding to practice. And I said, hey, Joe, you know a guy named Nick Federenko? And he goes, how the hell do you know Nick Federenko? I said, he's my cousin. He goes, well, I was on the scout team when your cousin was a senior and he broke my nose. And I, I was going to quit the team. And Era talked Joe Montana out to stay. And so I called my cousin Nick. I said, hey, one thing you're famous for is almost having a famous quarterback never played a game. <laughs> you know, what a roundabout things, how things go, you know. When you look back in practice, day after day, okay, mm -hmm. you saw the guys on the other side yeah. every day. Yeah. Can you describe the two quarterbacks, uh, Wayne Stanley and Buddy Hardiman? They were unstoppable because here you got two quarterbacks. You pitch the ball to Buddy. You don't know if he's going to run. He's got a great arm. So, I mean, it puts so much pressure on the perimeter. You know, think about if you're the strong safety of the cornerback, do I come up and force the perimeter or do I cover the pass? You cover the pass, Buddy runs, you know. I mean, it was just a two-pronged attack that was tremendous. You know, it was just unstoppable. And the scrimmages we had were very, very heated. And, and uh, one of the things I remember that hurt us tremendously was a guy named Mike Williams. And Mike Williams, uh, in my freshman year, played with Jim Wingeter, and it was a WW Express, 2,000-yard carriers, you know. And we have Mike Williams coming back, and we're scrimmaging, and Mike's running in for a touchdown all by himself, gets his cleats caught in the turf, and, I mean, he blows his patella tendon, everything. They didn't even think Mike was going to be able to walk again, you know. And that's what was so great about that team, because here comes a guy, Dexter Green, and they plug Dexter Green into the offense, you know. And, you know, it was just the genius of the offense. You scrimmaged against Dexter Green. Oh, yeah. Okay. What yeah. made him such a good back? Uh, just his instincts. You know, he, he, he had good peripheral vision. You know, he didn't even have to look, and he just felt you, you know. You know, when you're about to hit him, you can never really hit him. You know, he just, he'd always slide back or, you know, he's just a little nasty son again, you know. In 77, you guys get to a bowl game. Mm -hmm. Get to a bowl game. Finally. Talk, can you just talk about the Peach Bowl experience? 
great experience. Unfortunately, it was around Christmas. And Earl Bruce, God bless his heart, you know, he thought, you know, it's Christmas time, it's new, uh, Christmas Eve, so he ran out of the bus. You know, we went on the bus, had a good time for Christmas Eve. And, you know, it was a tight team. It was a real tight team. And uh, unfortunately, I think we got a little bit too loose because um, we didn't start that game well. And we didn't get going to the second half. We ran out of time, you know. But uh, I think if we would have just maybe uh, played a little bit harder, you know, and, uh, and, and I'm not just saying this is on the coach's fault. We just did not execute in the first half. But in the second half, you know, we just shut them down, but we ran out of time. Like Coach Hickson said, teams couldn't run the ball oh. on us. What, what was exciting about playing behind that line was no one came and blocked me. You know what I mean? They would take up two, three blockers at a time. You know, and I'm just, you know, cleaning off the, the tackles, which was, you know, just like a quarterback, you know. You know, his, his uniform's clean, the offensive line, you tip your hat to him, you know. It was the same way with those three big guys up front. I mean, I had excellent vision to the ball, and uh, they, they made me what I was, you know. To all my sports achievements, it was because of those guys, you know. What about the, uh, could you talk about the Stens roots? Oh, yeah, what, you, you're talking about two night and day guys, you know, Mongo and Maynard and, and uh, Maynard. What, why are they night and day? Uh, I just think uh, personalities, you know. Uh, Maynard, he just, uh, I just, I don't know if Mongo's going to see this, but he just, uh, he just seemed like the, the mature older brother, you know what I mean, and uh, very reserved. Um, but I'll never forget when uh, uh, Maynard intercepted a ball in Kansas and returned it for a touchdown. He took that ball and he threw, you know, we got a 15-yard penalty for unsportsmanlike. But I never see Maynard get that emotional. Where Mike, you know, he was he was a ball of uh, thunder, you know, he was full of emotions. And I'll tell you about uh, Mike Stensrud, uh, if you had just a little tiny hole in your jersey, your practice jersey, he would take that hole and make it huge, you know what I mean? So whenever you're going out to practice, you made sure you sewed up your little holes in there. And, you know, uh, I remember against uh, Oklahoma State, it's late in November and it's, you know, like 10 degrees we're practicing. And here's Mike sends you with the water, spraying it down your neck, you know, stuff like that. Stuff Maynard would never do that, you know. Maynard, you know, very reserved, you know, respectful. And Mike, you had to stay on your toe. You always had to keep your head on a swivel, Mike Stensrud, you know. Great guy, though. I mean, I would take a bullet for him, you know.